The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade, never stop arriving. The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade, never stop arriving. for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. On this episode of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, we discussed the Neymar transfer and the implications it'll have on soccer today. Jeff Ruder also joined us to discuss MLS and VAR. Also, Stephen and Armand talk about promotion and relegation in American soccer. All this on the next episode of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. Welcome to this edition of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. What's up, y'all? How are y'all? That was a terrible intro, huh? I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to say next, but oh, it, it happened. Well, it happened. I guess know? the listeners knew what was going on. Our listeners are smart. Come on. Yeah. What a what a week in soccer, huh? A week? It's, it's felt like a month. It's... We haven't recorded. Yeah, well, it's been a week since we've recorded. Yeah, so I a mean, ton we, of we, stuff took, we took a little break. A yeah. one-week break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's very exciting. But, uh... Let's get right to it. Neymar. The Boom. Well, yeah, seriously, it was boom. boom. It's, we've been talking about it for a couple weeks now, and it finally happened. It finally happened. Now, this actually started last year. Right, right, right. You, you saw the same thing I read? No, I wrote about it. Oh, on okay. The digital, I don't, did you read what I wrote? No. No, okay. No, but it started last year when uh, PSG courted Neymar last year, and in so did Manchester United, if you remember. Yeah, I do remember that, yeah. But what it, what ended up happening was Neymar got a new five-year contract and a $220 million... Yeah, everyone thought it was okay, you know? Like, uh, ...release clause. Yeah. And PSG felt used Oh yeah. For, for that purposes. I mean, that happens all the time, though. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is what soccer players do. Exactly. They're going to be like, well, you better we give me... We want more money. Yeah, you better give me a new contract. But so... And the transfer saga continued, and then... This summer comes along, and it starts off with Ronaldo. I want out of Real Madrid. Well, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, blah, 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 during the Confederations Cup. He's still at Real Madrid, so that, that didn't really happen. But then we started getting these reports on on how Neymar wanted to, to leave, and it started to pick up steam. Slowly. Slowly but surely. It was Neymar wanted to come out in the shadows of Lionel Messi, right. and it completely makes sense. It does. No, it does. I mean, he's a fantastic player, and uh, unlucky for him, he's next to 
probably the arguably the greatest player in soccer today. Yeah. Uh, and, and Neymar's 25 years old. He wants to make his own name. He's all, you know. Think about it. if Neymar continued to play with Messi. What was it? Well, he always had Messi next to him. It was never right. kind of like how a NBA reference. How Kyrie wants to leave a LeBron shadow in Cleveland. If that yes. makes any sense. Yes. Oh, very. That's a great parallel. See, I'm good at that. Yes. So we continue on with this week or this past week, I was to say that where Neymar was agreed to a contract term, and. Basically, all Barcelona had to pay. Well, then comes comes the information where La Liga and La Liga they tried blocking it. Tried blocking it, and he said he will. Well, that was Wednesday. He said he was going to block it. PSG hadn't put out the money yet. All we know is Neymar agreed to terms. Well, the following day, to pay everything off, the the lawyer of Neymar shows up to the headquarters of La Liga in Madrid. And wants to hand over the two hundred and twenty million dollars. They reject it. I mean euros, and they, they reject, reject it. it. My question is: Was it a check? Do you think it was a check? I saw the check. It's a real check. Do you think he he pulled it out and had? To, you know how you go to a bank and your check sometimes crumble up. And you have to straighten it on the edge and you hand it over. I bet to that. It. I bet that thing was framed. Oh. These hand nice plaques saying, "Here's your here's your check." Man, two hundred twenty million dollar euros. That had to feel really dollar heavy. euros. 220 million euros. euros. Did I say dollar you euros? You said dollar euros. Nice ah, new currency well. you made there. New currency. We're all in one currency anyway. It's the dollar in this yeah. world. But whatever. It, it's incredible that that much money was Can handed over. Buy one and, player. Yeah, buy one player and the league rejected it. Yeah. Well, th that caused a firestorm on social media, on all the outlets. La Liga rejects it. Unprecedented information. Meanwhile, Neymar's lawyer goes, Okay, fine. We're just going to fly down to Barcelona and give them the check directly. And they accept it. And they accept it. Next thing you know, Neymar is introduced to PSG Friday. And uh, was that uh, was that the game where they won 2-0 two, two over? I don't remember who. Some team in France. Some, some, <laughs> some bottom club in France. Good. What a move. What a move. I yeah, mean, and it was we have incredible. to talk about it. I mean, even though we're American soccer, I mean, this is just massive. This is going to send ripples all around the world. Yeah, and Christian Pulisic could be in this ripple effect. Possibly, yeah. Coutinho might leave rumored, Liverpool. Rumored to go there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you could have a huge issue. When uh, when speaking about, you know, the move to PSG, Neymar was asked, now I'm reading from a BBC Sport, BBC Sport article, asked about his official unveiling at the Parc de Prince if he was motivated by money. Neymar replied, what I say to these people is that they don't know anything about my personal life. I was never motivated by money. If I was following the money, I would be somewhere else. Why would you be at somewhere else? PSG are arguably one of the richest clubs. I mean, what do you expect them to say? Oh, yeah, I came here for the money. You know I wanted all that money. He's not going to say that. He knows it's bad for his image. But this is such a dumb statement to say. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was told by his uh, agent to say that or his father. Well, his father is supposed to make a lot of money off of this too. Yeah. I think there's, the reason why he waited till this long to move to PS, uh, PSG was there was that that loyalty bonus that Barcelona owed his father. It yeah, like but they didn't pay mil, it. But they're not going to pay they're it. Not pay or pay 25 mil. 26 mil, yeah, something like 26, that. Yeah. Something like that. Of course they're not going to pay it. Why would Barcelona pay it? Are they dumb? Yeah, they. I wouldn't pay that if I were them. Uh, the, the president of PSG or the owner said, Neymar came over here for motivation, which I do think that's true. I, th I do think there's a part of him that came over to PSG for motivation. The problem is Manchester United could have so easily paid, paid this 222 million euro fee. Manchester City 
probably even Chelsea. Yeah. Because they have they are bigger clubs than PSG. And they get uh, massive amounts of revenue from the uh, Premier League, that TV deal. Yeah, yeah. So the financial fair play, which we'll get to here in a second, is, is not even an issue for the Premier League club. No, it's so. It's the fact that Neymar screwed himself last year with with the talks to PSG and Manchester United. They got him a new contract. I mean, do you think he's mad, though, he's at PSG? I think... No, not at all. Yeah, I think he's happy. I mean, it, the French League is so easy. Oh, yeah. They'll win... They'll win the main objective for him is Champions, Champions League, League or bust. And that's PSG's objective since well. Zlatan Ibrahimovic came in. That's why they spent all that money on right, exactly. Di Maria, on David Luiz, was hoping that they could elevate them to, to the crown. And they've been f- utter failures in, in the Champions League. Yeah, I mean... I'd Monaco that, got to the semifinals yeah. last season. And they won the league, too. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. And, you know, PSG in the Champions League is what everybody's going to want to watch now. And if you look at it, Champions League just suddenly got so much more interesting. Right, right, right. It's 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 a, And the and league, uh, it's kind of interesting right now, too. Well, the problem is Monaco's getting ripped apart. Clubs are buying off of their the whole. Right, right. Know, but, I mean, I think, I think they'll be fine with the way they've been developing players. And uh, Nice is looking really well, too. They just announced... Uh, Schneider signing. Uh, yes. I think it's a nice Wesley Schneider. Three, three, three-headed competition for that top spot in Liga. You really think Monaco and Nice are going to compete with PSG? I mean, what happened last year? Okay, but how many players have Monaco lost? I mean, they've lost certain players. But I mean, I'm, it's Monaco. I think they can easily uh, nah, withstand that. PSG will win the league by April. Okay, okay. So what, what, what do you think... Uh, uh, what what do you think this has an effect on American soccer wise? Well, I'm, okay, you want we'll to get? That? I was gonna say I want to talk to about the P, uh, the financial fair play rules. Oh, you want to talk about that first? For quickly, oh, yeah. because the the president came out or the owner, Al Khalafi. Yeah, some, how do you some, pronounce some, his some, name? Something Arabic. You gotta see. You don't know how to say the. No. So it's Al Khalafi. Yeah, that. Yes. I, w- I wasn't going to sit there and try to pronounce that. Um, it's okay. This is probably one of the greatest statements coming. It, it's weird, but it's kind of funny. <laughs> it's one of the best statements. Defended the deal, saying, We will be very transparent with financial fair play. I have a strong team with me. If you're thinking about it, go have coffee and don't worry about it. <laughs> like, what the? Like, what? what? What the heck is that supposed to mean? I There's mean, only one decision that matters, and that is UEFA. We are working transparently with UEFA. Question is, how much are they paying UEFA not to look into this? I mean, I don't know. Corruption's everywhere in soccer. Nah, so, I mean, I'm not surprised if UEFA says they don't find anything. And this, do you think this is true? Before Neymar had came, come to the club, the club's value was one billion. Now it's one point five billion. Yeah, you think? I think so. I think Neymar adds. Yeah, that half Brazilian a market's gonna be open like crazy. I mean, they were worried about selling out jerseys too fast. Like, yeah. I know I can see that. That's impressive. Well, very imp- yeah. I mean, who who knows what what the financial fair play? You can't even look into it till the windows even close. So La Liga, who and Barcelona are going to press some sort of charges. Well, clubs can't even press charges. I don't know how they can get the. I don't know if they can get. It was all from- talk, no action. Well, it was all talk to save their superstar. Sure, but La Liga can't. The, they can't. UEFA can't even do anything now. They have to wait till they the, wait to end the transfer window. Yep. So La Liga is going to put what pressure on onto it. Barcelona is going to put pressure to look into it. It's all talk. You don't think they will? It's. I think it's all talk. I think I mean, they will publicly. Like I think they three will. Three weeks before the window. Closes. I think they publicly will and say yes, yeah, put pressure on. But I think it's all talk. I think nothing will come out of it. 
Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think La Liga's worried about losing their stars because if you think about it, Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, uh, Suarez, Nico Bear, uh, Gareth Bale, Griezmann. Griezmann. That that's why that's the selling point of La Liga. That's exactly. why. But now you lose only Neymar. Think about it. Besides those three clubs, La Liga is not very interesting to watch. No, it's not. It's very. Uh, it's not that competitive outside those top three. No, not really. I mean, sure, they do well as a league in, in European competition, but as the league them, as itself, it's not a good selling point. Nobody no, wants to watch not. it. You want to watch Premier League. Or not, Bundesliga. Or the, yeah, exactly. So, who knows? But good question you rose, uh, brought, up. brought up. <laughs> rose. I don't know what I was thinking there. Uh, about the impact in American soccer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... Or the impact on American soccer. I mean, soccer. it's going to have an impact on soccer regardless. I mean, this is a massive transfer. Well, you have the the cluster blank that's about to happen with all the transfers with the linking of Barcelona and right, the clubs right, right. having to replace that player. And, and the window closes here soon, so it's not like they have all summer to nope. to figure out what's going on. No, they don't. Uh, American players could be on the move. Christian Pulisic is probably the, the I don't the anticipate him being on the move, especially after he scored in the uh, Super Cup. Yeah, the German, German Super Cup. I don't think he'll be on the move, and I don't think Dortmund will move him. But yeah. if a big offer comes, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I think the impact on soccer is something to the likes where Bastian Schweinsteiger said during the All Star break game last week. He he was like, the MLS is about ten years away from matching the level of the Bundesliga or Italy, and then he changed it to the Premier League. And I, I'm saying it was like the problem is there's still no money. Right, two hundred twenty million euros. You can buy an expansion club here. And then have some left over to build to, a stadium. Not even build a stadium, build a squad for three years. Right, exactly. It's, I mean, that's a lot of money, and that's for one player, the PSG just, you know. Exactly, and the money for. the money for there in American soccer won't be there for a while, let's be honest. Why would it be there for a while? I mean, the league is still growing as it is. I mean, I wouldn't expect that money to be spent in American soccer total combined all clubs with like until 10 15 years at least in the future. I wonder what the most exp- we should do some research. Do you know what off the top of your head what the most expensive MLS player was sold for? I'm not sure the most expensive sold, but I know one of the most expensive signings I think was a uh, Almiron uh for Atlanta. Yeah, what? I think it was around 14 million. So, see that's a good. See if if clubs spent that much money, nobody would complain. Yeah, I mean but, I mean, Atlanta was also splurging on money, spending lots and lots of money. But, I mean, you also do have teams that refuse to spend money. And in the end, I mean, I wish it would spend a little bit more, to be honest. But, I mean, like I, like we've been talking about, soccer isn't really that profitable in the States yet. No, not yet. And and the another implement uh, implication of this signing is that players still want to play in Europe. Well, yeah, you think Neymar's going to leave for America right now? No, no, but no, in the sense of it's PSG. What was PSG 10 years ago? Was it on anybody's radar? PSG was a team I chose on FIFA because they had a cool logo. It wasn't like a team that you knew of. No, that no, makes no any sense. not at all. I mean, because of oil-rich owners. Man City? Manchester City. That That's how they suddenly became right. very popular. And and for for Americans... Players here who do develop here, Kellen Acosta is a perfect example. He, where does he want to go? To Europe. He even came out this past week saying he wants to leave FC Dallas. Right. So players still want to play in Europe. And I think that 
And Bastion Schweinsteiger, 32, coming to America makes sense because he's won everything in Europe. Right. He has it, nothing his, to prove. He had nothing to prove. His tenure at Bayern Munich was excellent. Now it just fell apart at Manchester United. Then it was time to move on. But nobody's going to criticize him. Exactly. He looks like a legend. He's a legend here in the States. He's playing well. He's playing well. Fire he's playing successful. well. Yes, Fire just beat New England 4-1 or something yep. like that. Yep, so that's it's, right, 4-1. It, it's incredible. And you, you just can't... You, just can't comprehend what 220 million euros does in soccer. Imagine that injection into MLS, like straight 220 euros, like 220 oh. million euros. I mean, we've seen the seven, we're going to see the 700 million dollar injection with Adidas money coming up soon, but I don't think, like I said, I don't think we'll see that massive injection from like a non sponsorship deal or whatnot for a while. Well, yeah, no, absolutely, uh, and and it's going to take forever. It's it's a massive ripple effect across the soccer world, to be honest. All righty. Well, up next is Jeff Ruder. Yeah, it's gonna be a fun. It's gonna be a fun, fun little interview. We're gonna talk some VAR. VAR. We saw it used uh, on Saturday. Uh oh. Here we go. By the way, I hate it already. I love it. Right, joining us right now is Jeff Bruder. He covers MLS Minnesota United for uh, MLS ESPN FC uh, four four two, among other uh, articles as well as the Guardian. I mean outlets. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. How you doing? Doing well. And hey, uh, you can call me an idiot if you've had to answer this before. But if you were to put Uncle Sam on a field, what position would he play? Oh, that's a great question. Honestly, the number ten. Most yeah, is, yeah, he most... has to be. He's our. He's a creative force in the field. Interesting. Okay. See, I thought he was like a midfield enforcer, but see, this is me <laughs> coming onto your podcast and suddenly asking you the questions. It's a, it's a, it's a it, great, it, it, great change. It's a change up. Yeah. <laughs> you need to do it sometimes. I, I'm here to help. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, number ten, Uncle Sam. Do you really think he'd be a number ten? What do you think? We, we got to ed- edit our logo. We got yeah, number we 10 to, on there right we now. We have to put a number 10 on there. I mean, you said enforcer. I could see that. A captain. Yeah. He'd definitely be a captain. 100%. Yeah, no, I, I think that uh, Uncle Sam would be as close as we would have to the next Michael Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> Just tough as nails, you know, kind of a quiet leader, but able to pass the ball well, able to pick the pocket. But, you know, I can see where you're getting at with a number 10. That's, that's Armin, that's a little something of a Jurgen Klinsmann mentality, right? <laughs> you have the Michael Bradley type playing up forward where he'll be able to pass it and then you just totally misutilize him. You can try <laughs> Jürgen that. Jurgen Klinsmann. And we'll see how it goes. Hey, J- Jeff, question now. Where do you think sure. Uncle Sam – what 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 club would he play at? New England. Uh, oh, it's got to be New England. Yeah. yeah uh, otherwise, you could go with – America's real team, which is Real Salt Lake. (laughs) That's actually a fascinating thing. You know, as you talk to writers, reporters, club executives all across the country, nobody has a bad thing to say about Real Salt Lake. Every other club, they'll say, I don't like this person. I don't like this aspect of their club. Real Salt Lake is the one that everyone's like, yeah, okay. So that's Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam plays for Real Salt Lake. Okay, fair enough. Well, uh, let's let's talk. Let's go over the pond. Neymar made his move to PSG. What were your thoughts on, on that? You know, I was actually. It, it's interesting enough. I, I was talking with somebody who's been working around soccer for the last fifty years, and he was he was talking about how even back then, I don't remember which 
which player it was, but they had said it was like they had just let go of the tail of a tiger. And they were they were saying that it seemed like it was going to be taking off. And then you look at it, 222 million euro buyout clause. You know, where does that stop? Because yes, Neymar is a special player. I do think he is. Neymar is a player who can change a game. Neymar is one of the five best players in the world right now, and he's still entering his prime. But at what point, you know, does the market just get so inflated that it's impossible for all but 10 clubs in the world to compete? You know, it, it, it's tricky, guys. I don't know. Yeah, it is tricky. That's, I mean, it's a fair point. We we were just discussing it beforehand, and we were, we we're talking about the wave created as far as... The massive ripple effect across soccer. And, and especially in, in America, we thought, well, Christian Pulisic could get pulled, pulled in, into this with, you know, Coutinho leaving Liverpool, Liverpool wanting you know pull a sick and you know it's it's a ripple effect and it could be a couple could be two three seasons down the line before he even makes that jump but do you think these buyout clauses are, are going to happen here in major league soccer where you'll start seeing players put that in their contracts for example Kellen Costa who wants to leave FC Dallas now all of a sudden yeah, it, it, it's tough, guys, because the contracts are still through Major League Soccer, and so that would be something that's that's negotiated more at a macro level than player by player. Uh, I mean, they still have that ratio. What is it? If they make it through three years, it's a 75% payout to the club specifically. Otherwise, it's a 66, something like that. So there's already a little of incentive for teams to sell players. You've seen Red Bulls be able to really ramp up their academy since they sold Matt Miazga. Right. And now they're looking in two, three years down the line, that's going to be Tyler Adams or it's going to be Alex Muell. You know, it's going to be some of these other guys that there will always be another young talent. I mean, I don't know if you're ever going to – well, I shouldn't say never. But I think that you're a, ways, <laughs> you're a ways away from seeing someone in Major League Soccer command the type of transfer fee that – I'm not going to say Neymar, but Christian Pulisic. You know, Pulisic would be a transfer fee that's way above anything an MLS player would ever – get and that's not necessarily because well it's twofold right I mean Pulisic is a player who is playing well above what he should be at his age if you look across the spectrum of global soccer right and and you have to factor in that he is a special player in a country with a massive GDP and so if a club is buying him they're getting the marketing of Christian Pulisic and they're going to get a bunch of American fans listen I flew over to Chicago last week for MLS All-Star and when I was just waiting in the TSA line, not to say the rest of MSP, but I saw three Christian Pulisic jerseys, and two of them were Dortmund. Just well, within the other little... one was what U.S. Yeah, so one U.S. and then two Dortmund. You know, that's a that's just one small sample of a hundred people traveling, right? You know, I think, and I there mean... were two Dortmund jerseys. So every club that would buy Pulisic gets that money, which means his transfer fee is raised a little bit more because of it. It's a really special case. I would say, especially from. If, if a Premier League club got him, it would be it'd be, it'd be massive. I mean, especially yeah, they with, suddenly uh, become the most popular club here in America. If I mean, look at Huddersfield said. Town with their uh, American manager. Well, American <laughs> manager, right. Um, right, right, right. Like, no, uh, yeah, David Wagner, and then having Danny Williams there as right. well. I, I yeah. think that you're going to see more Danny Williams jerseys sold than. I don't know, like a, a regular starting center midfielder for Manchester United not named Pogba, you know? And that's saying <laughs> something because it, that's, a, that's a Champions League club. 
that's a quality player, but someone like Danny Williams might sell better just because he's American. And these are the kind of things that if you're a club playing a transfer fee, I'm not saying that's going to change it from being like 10 million to 25, but that's something that's going to push it from 20 to 25. You know, it's just those little factors. And so it's, it's, it's a totally different game. And frankly, it's not just on the field based anymore for better or for worse. There are so many other factors that look, I'm not able to even project what, if and when Kyle Lahren is sold this winter to a team in Europe. You know, I have such a tough time actually gauging. Is that going to be five or is it going to push to ten because suddenly you have the entire Canadian market? You know, and that has nothing to do with Neymar, of course. But as far as players leaving Major League Soccer, you know, it's the wild, wild west right now. Well, do you think – you just said that Neymar has no influence on Kyle Lahren, but do you think Neymar's transfer fee has an influence on – Christian Pulisic's. Absolutely. Yeah, because you're looking and you're seeing a young winger. If nothing else, you just look position by position and you say, okay, he's a young winger who can create and he can score his own chances. Pulisic isn't on the Neymar level yet, but there is a realistic chance that he could be at that, you know, Coutinho level in four years, say. You know? And so if if you're looking at that, Coutinho takes Neymar's place, and so who is Liverpool going to take to try to fill Coutinho's? spot maybe they're looking at Pulisic and so yes I think that actually there is it's not six degrees of Kevin Bacon here but I I think that there is a very realistic fallout that does affect Christian Pulisic more than 99% of the players in world football and that's the fact that we're even having this discussion and it's not a question that's laughable you know, like if five years ago we were saying this about Landon Donovan at the Galaxy (laughs) I would be laughing yeah, exactly. So the the fact that it is, that shows, first off, the, the U.S. game has developed. And second, Pulisic is a special generational player. And I think both of those are very exciting factors. All right. So let's let's jump away from the uh, Pulisic-Neymar discussion. As much it. as I love, I love talking love about it, it. I this love is, it. There's been, a, there's been some, a couple of MLS things that uh, have been implemented this week, including our favorite well my favorites i like it i, I like hate it, it i love it var it was just, we saw it used in the philadelphia union uh, fc dallas game last night and mm-hmm. it, i thought it worked pretty well i mean what are your thoughts on it jeff I, I you know i i think that var is seen as something that's it's not you know it's not the scolding evil stepfather right it's not <laughs> there to try to slap your wrist and say I, you want to have fun with your your, your soccer and be able to kick a ball when you want to. You know, it's nothing like that. It's just take some of the pressure off of the human aspect of refereeing. There was a couple, there were two instances actually in last night's Minnesota versus Seattle game. And both of these instances, one was Abu Dunladi and once was, I want to say, Jordan Morris. Maybe it was Clint Dempsey, who were called offside and ended up having a very easy chance that both put in the back of the net, but the flag was up. If that had gone the other way, if the side, if the fourth official, or no, sorry, if the sideline referee hadn't had their flag up and just let it play on, both of them would have been under VAR, and you would have had two minute or two breaks to really test the system. So I think also, you're not just having, you know, what you talked about with Philadelphia. You know, it's not just where you're going to have to have this thing. I think referees are going to have to change the way that they call it. Right, because it's more controversial for you to put your flag up immediately, right, right. and then you can't about. review. 
Mm-hmm. If it's just yeah, if it's just a pure offside call, that's not able to be reviewed. However, if it's a goal, you have to review it for all aspects, including offside. So I think you're going to see some of these sideline officials who are not putting the flag up and just saying, okay, let's let the video do it for me. And that way there's less scrutiny on my job. Because while the public might not necessarily know the names of the sideline officials, pro does. Pro referee, the the organization that does all the refs in MLS. And so then they might change assignments. They might put them in NASL or USL. And so I I think you're going to be seeing some sideline officials who are calling games a little differently. So it's just some of these little things that are really interesting, guys. But I'm not afraid of VAR. You know, and, and so I, I think it's a necessary evil. I, I think that goal line technology was a no-brainer. It was a slam dunk, and I don't think you saw many people who were upset about that. VAR is a little bit of a bigger deal. But I, I do genuinely think, guys, that it's... Look, you want to have the best possible game on the field. Yes, I'll miss some of the human aspect of a good ref or a bad ref does change the outcome of the game. But... Ultimately, if a team should be scoring a goal, you don't want to rob them of that. So I, I've accepted it for what it is, and I'm going to move forward. Yeah, you know, I, I just can't get around this. My my issue is not the 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 the, the video aspect. It's the of timing. It. It's is the it, timing thing where issue. the where the referee goes on the side and watches, goes to this stupid TV screen, point, makes this <laughs> rectangle shape. Players are confused. Nobody knows what's going on. Did you see Bedoya's reaction after the? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was, <laughs> what? I mean, did you guys see? Did you guys see the game in uh, the Dutch Eredivisie yesterday oh, when they scored a goal uh, off the? Uh, and but they pulled it back for the penalty uh, after looking yeah. at it through VAR. Yeah, that would be absolute. Can you imagine if in the New York Derby tonight? That happened. That would be absolute mayhem. Well, let's knock on wood that happens. So we see that. <laughs> no, but you know, I, I'm all I'm, the video replay works. I get it, but I feel like there's such a better system where the referee doesn't have to go to a computer monitor. He stands there in the middle of the pitch, kind of waits. You have maybe a 30 second window where there's somebody in New York or wherever MLS headquarters wants to put it. Uh, like Secaucus, uh, like for the NBA or uh, the right. NHL, where they were, I think it's in Canada, Toronto, for example, where there's there's <laughs> these compu- where they have a system where they they are reviewing all the games at once, and the moment there's something, somebody say, hey, that that needs, you know, they can buzz the referee from the headquarters, tell him, hey, you need to pull this back, you need to do this, blah blah blah. I mean, that Philadelphia Union example, it would it took 12 seconds for the broadcasters to realize, hey. The guy literally nutted the goalkeeper. Coleman <laughs> nutted the goalkeeper. It wasn't. It was obvious. It took twelve seconds to realize, but it ended yeah. up being a minute and a half where the referee had to go over, come back. You know, it's just it, to me, it creates so much confusion. I mean, Stephen, Stephen my, my counterpoint to that is going to be that it's new for everybody. Exactly. Right? Sure, no, yesterday, I, I definitely. I, 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 from my account yesterday, that oh, that offside should have been reviewed, and then I realized, oh yeah, offsides can. Every single party reporter, referee, player, coach, uh, fourth official, VAR official, that we're, everyone is still working out the kinks with this. And, I mean, I hate to break it to you guys, but it's not going away. No, I don't think not. that there's any that FIFA invests this much money and time into finding the best practice for VAR, and after a year says, well, I guess that's not going to be it, so we're going to cut it. No you way. know, it, it's here to stay. You have two choices at this point. Uh <laughs> Yes, the timing kind of sucks. I, I I don't watch MLB on TV anymore, but I guess they do have 
instant replay oh, yeah. that that I mean like my my grandfather hates it. <laughs> you, you would expect that because he grew up and he'll be like, "Oh, you know, in the day I was watching these Harmon Killebrew hit home runs and then suddenly they're stopping the game to watch a screen." And yeah, it sucks, but that's just the landscape right now. And and again, if FIFA has invested this money, if MLS has wanted to be at the forefront of this movement to incorporate VAR, it is not going anywhere. I think that the time, the amount of time that's used for each of these, it's going to shrink, right? I mean, it, it's just like when the backpass rule was killed, you know, it, eventually the game sped back up, you know, and it wasn't mm-hmm. round one anymore all the way, and that was 20, 25 years ago. So it's just a matter of time. It's going to be clumsy for the rest of this year. It's going to be particularly clumsy for the 2018 World Cup if it's involved with that tournament. And after that, I think that referees will be used to it, just like every other rule change that's happened. I like it. I mean, v- VAR, it's, like you said, it's kind of just, I think it's just necessary at this point for soccer to implement with all the technology that we've had as of late. I mean, the timing, like you said, it's going to fix up within, once they get more reps in and whatnot. But like like you said, I think it's just a great way to, you know, take the pressure off the referees and, you know, use technology that we have available to our advantage. See, you know, our, I'm, I'm with you, Armin. I, again, it's take the pressure off the referee. You know, it, it's you don't want them to be berated. A good referee doesn't have their name known by the public 24 yeah, sure. hours. Yeah, sure. Baltimore Toledo. Sorry. Yeah, sure. Got yeah exactly. No, you're, you're spot on. Everyone knows Baldomero because there are questionable calls. Everyone knows Ted Uncle because he has he is very <laughs> Ted to point to the penalty spot. But a good referee is very forgettable over the course of a game. And if VAR helps that referee get out of scrutiny, so you're not seeing what happened with Ted Uncle in Orlando a month, two months ago. Oh gosh, that was bad. That's all better. Yeah. Well, you know, Jeff, I had a. Would you, is there a limit at VAR? Would you go? I mean, do you like do you like how much they're reviewing now? I like it now. Yeah, I think I like it now. I think I like that it's only three, four types of calls that you can call back. I don't think you want to have a fifty-fifty ball ever be under scrutiny. I don't think. I don't think you need to have every was that offside or not under scrutiny either. So, yeah, I think I'm fine where it is for now. That said, of course, it's going to change, and of course, they're going to increase it because that's just how rule changes like this go. You start in a small dose and you build it up, 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 up until your tolerance increases. But, you know, I I think with where it is for right now, I can stomach it. Part of it is that (laughs) I've seen the the, the videos that the league has put out, that Howard Webb has put out (laughs) in Chicago, and they did tutorials over it. So I, I feel like I at least have a baseline understanding of it. But they're going to change it, and I don't blame them for it, but it's just going to be another practice of getting used to it and figuring out, is this a call worth reviewing, or is this a part of the game that, while yes, it's 50-50 to some extent, and it's a gray area, let's just leave it alone. So I, I'm still figure that process out. It's definitely going to, to be a process, and it's interesting that Major League Soccer is one of the few or one of the leagues that first implemented it. first one, first professional league to implement it. And it, it's, I think it's good for the league. Like, I think it does make a statement like FIFA, hey, look at us, you know, investing all this money into the system. MLS is like, yeah, we'll, we'll be the first ones. It's going to, you know, people in Europe will be talking about the system based here in Major League Soccer. It's an it's advantage of being a younger league. Yeah. True. I will say, though, uh, at his pregame press conference, Commissioner Garber was asked about why 
stepped to the forefront on VAR. And his answer led off with, we wanted to be first, which at the outset sounds cool. But that wasn't, we think it's a necessary technology, and so we wanted to implement it as soon as possible for the quality of the game. It was, we just want to be the first league. And I, I think that that's a bit of a gray area that does yeah, seem a like jump up on the bandwagon, you know? But I, I do agree with both of you guys. I think it is something where, like it or not, it's necessary. Uh, it was going to happen at some point, and if at some point it gets us, us being the United States, being Canada, at the forefront, all the better. Yeah. Uh, speaking of MLS and VAR, you were actually at the Minnesota United game last night, right. uh, taking on Seattle and got, let's say, uh, shelled, lack of a better term. Minnesota United got shelled. But what, what's it like, you know, for an expansion club? How 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 is the atmosphere? What, what are the fans? What's the city? I mean, how, we're not used to an expansion club. Nope. I mean, <laughs> we're based here in Dallas, so we've had FC Dallas for from the beginning. Yep, we got our own problems with it. But what, what's what's the uh, what's the word on the street out there or up well, there? Yeah, well, good for you guys. I mean, I, I did actually go to the Dallas Minnesota game down there, so maybe next year if I make that you didn't trip, say hi to me. I mean, I'm kind of yeah, rain check. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's you know guys it's interesting it really is um i think there are still some growing pains there is uh, for three straight games now minnesota united has drawn over twenty thousand fans and i i, I think that's that's a, a good lot better number. down here yeah exactly and i mean if you look at the attendance figures from the saturday fixtures across major league soccer minnesota actually had the highest attendance of any of the games granted the three games today are Portland, New York, and I'm trying to remember the third market, but it's a marquee game. Of course, the game will be played by the time this is released. But the Sunday slate was the, the big ticket. But the Saturday games, Minnesota United not just held their own, but they actually set the pace. So attendance-wise, they're doing well. I, I think that there were some questions about the marketing strategy that they had, whether or not they were targeting the right crowds, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I do think that there's a there's a rabid interest from fans in Minnesota. You know, I'm, I'm up in the press box every week, and, and so I'm able to see the crowd, see how big the supporter section, the Dark Clouds, True North Elite, Mill City Ultras are throughout the week, and it's growing every single week. You're seeing people who I'm sure are sitting on the sidelines and look over at a very active supporter section that every game is chanting and dancing for 90 minutes, and they say, I want to be a part of that, and so they join. Um, the the on field product. <laughs> oh my gosh, that I, beginning! It's, it's been it's been not the best to say. I would argue Be it's nice. worse than the off field product, uh, which is not a hot take in any way. So I, it's like I, reverse I, FC Dallas. It, right, it's the anti FC Dallas. Right, <laughs> uh, FC Dallas is probably the com most complete. They're one of the three best teams in Major League Soccer. I'd say yeah. FC Dallas. Is. It, it, it's still Toronto and Seattle until I see them truly falter. I'm gonna you put think them Seattle's the, the second best? I think they're in the top three, 100%. So, what about Chicago? Well, here's uh, no Chicago's not there. Here's here's, <laughs> here's my interesting litmus test. Is I so I am Major League Soccer's Minnesota correspondent, right? Sure. So I am able to see Minnesota play against a lot of these teams that are kind of in the playoff zone, especially in the Western Conference, because every Western Conference team does a home and home against yeah, every yeah, other yeah, one, yeah. right? So. It's really easy to gauge. Minnesota is a team that if if their opponent doesn't have a precise game plan that they're able to execute 
to 100% efficiency, Minnesota can actually capitalize. They're a sneaky, difficult team. They're the kind of team that you see on your schedule as a trap game, right? Where right. you look at outside of Minnesota and say, okay, that should be an easy win. Like, they should win 4-0 or 3-0 or whatever. But if you're getting complacent, if you're subbing out two, three, four of your regulars, or if your regulars are taking kind of a mental vacation, Minnesota will pounce because they're a quick team and the spine of their team, especially when Christian Ramirez is healthy, is potent. But you look at Seattle, who came in yesterday. They were efficient. They were ruthless. They were playing with a high press. They were able to spring on the counterattack. And they had a back six, if you include Svensson and Roldan, who were just anchored and were able to keep a very pacey Minnesota attack at bay. Stefan Fry made a couple of brilliant saves. And it was probably the most complete performance I've seen from an opponent who's coming to Minnesota all season. Wow. That includes Atlanta. That includes some of these other teams that came right. in and absolutely like wiped the floor with the loons. But I think that what Seattle did yesterday was one of the most clinical. If I were looking at a, a young player who wanted to transition to be a coach, I was saying, okay, how do I coach in Major League Soccer? I would show them what Brian Schmetzer drew up for Seattle. Because oh, wow. High praise here game plan. I really do. So I'm saying that uh, I think at the beginning of the season I predicted Toronto would get the Supporter Shield, FC Dallas would get uh, MLS Cup, and I'm going to stick to that because right now it doesn't look too bad. Great minds think alike. I have the same prediction yeah. too. There you go, Armin. Yeah, I mean it's just it. the East, yeah, Chicago, as you alluded to, they're strong, but I just if David Akam is going to be forced out over the next few days then they actually might be better off than if he stays because I think you're going to get a really pouty winger who's too talented to bench. Um, I think Nikolic is the real deal. I don't see him slowing down too much. The Schweinsteiger, McCarty, Juninho midfield is strong, but it's just the back line, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Koppel has been playing well. Polster has been playing well, but Polster is naturally a six playing as a right back right, right. now. How long can he keep that up? So I don't think Chicago will challenge Toronto. I think it's really Toronto versus the winner of Seattle FC Dallas. Huh. That'll be a fun series, to be honest. I know, no, sure, it'd be great. Okay. Seattle mm-hmm. and Dallas have history too. Oh yeah. So it's. it's... But um, we want to thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. Hey, anytime. And I will say congratulations. This is what your fourth, fifth episode. Four. Um, four. Yeah, congratulations. The the hardest part of a podcast is launching it. Uh, you guys have a good format. You you have a, a strong ability of banter. Keep it going, and I'm here anytime that you need me. Appreciate it. Uh, but we want to uh, sure. ask you if you want to put out your Twitter handle. Shameless plug. Shameless oh, plug here. Yeah. The shameless plug, sure. Uh, you can find me at Twitter at Jeff Reuter, J-E-F-F-R-U-E-T-E-R. Awesome. Thank Please you. Please give him a follow, and, and thank you so much for joining us. And we'll, we'll talk soon. I'm sure we will. All right, sounds good. Cheers, guys. Cheers. What a great guest. I, I, so, you know, we had Charles on last week. And he he was great too, but yeah, he was in. He I mean, was, give props to Charles. He was in the cab going he, to the airport. Come on, he, he told the cab to shut up and turn down the music. <laughs>
Now we we cropped that out because it it was just wasn't necessary. It was but pretty he, funny though. It was pretty funny because it was just an awkward pose. He's like I'm on the phone. Um, can you can you turn that down, please? Thank you. And then he just goes right on a uh, Chicago Fire, blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> but Charles is a great guest. But this uh, Jeff man, let me tell you, he had something in the background. He's probably drinking like a nice glass of whiskey, talking some major league soccer. Maybe I'm not whiskey. I'm telling but... you, all these MLS writers, all of them are good. I mean, they're all great guys as well. Well, because I think it's it's they're covering a fifth league here in America, and my problem, if you, I, I since I've been writing for this digital magazine, and it's been great, but it's it's a lot of baseball, football, basketball, and that stuff gets boring. Soccer's interesting. Soccer to me is interesting because it it it's so much more cultural. Political, especially in a, like the growing league of MLS, oh there's God. so much issues going on, and we're actually about to talk about one right now. Yes, what is it, Armand? Everyone's favorite topic: don't shoot the messenger, but promotion relegations in the news once again. And we we actually held off on this for a couple of shows because it was kind of, we were just waiting for the right moment to talk about it, and then it came, and then it came four billion. Four billion dollar TV rights deal that MLS couldn't negotiate, could but. not negotiate, but showed up on the front door from NP Silva, quadrupling the broadcast rights fee, which would start in 2023 until 2032. But is that the biggest news regarding promotion and relegation? Wait, that TV rights deal had to. Uh, implement promotion relegation, but that was quickly shot down because MLS had no rights to talk to them about it. So it was it was worthless having the conversation. It was just like a conversation start. Like, oh, promotion relegation. Yeah, it, it was a conversation start, but we didn't want to go down that road because everybody else was covered. But it kind of set the tone for what happened this past week with the uh, lawsuit against uh, the U.S. Soccer yes. Federation. Miami FC from the NASL and Kingston Stockdale FC. Stockade, come on. Oh, Stockade. I don't know what I just said. Uh, MPSL. You know what that league? That, well, the National uh, Professional Pre- Soccer League? Premier Soccer League. Premier Soccer League. Yeah, it's an amateur league. It's a lot. Man, MPSL, that's a lot. Filled a claim with the Court of Operation of Sports to require the U.S. Soccer Federation to adopt a promotion and relegation system across all divisions of U.S. soccer. Now, reading from a Miami Herald piece, uh, when it comes to soccer success, America lags behind the rest of the world. One reason is because our system is not open, is not an open system and is actually blocked from becoming an open system, said Kingston Scott Tade FC owner Dennis Crowley. He's also owner of uh, Foursquare. Yes. By embracing ProRail and using the Tide and True system, we would have a greater ability to unlock additional soccer markets, reward investment in those markets, and create new talent pools within the United States. My thing is this. I mean, I've noticed it. You've noticed it. The more you get into MLS, the more you get into this, you realize it's 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 a lot harder than just like, oh, it's that promotion relegation into the system. You know, That statement out. isn't false, though. What? I don't – I think – Promotion relegation would create, now I'm quoting, a greater ability to unlock additional soccer markets, yes. Reward investment in those markets, maybe. And create a new talent pools within the United States. That's 100% but, true. But the question is, is it feasible? Okay, we'll get to that. <laughs> Miami FC CEO Sean Flynn said, closed system for soccer 
use here in the United States is a violation of FIFA rules. Well, what does the FIFA rules about this say? Now, from an ESPN FC article, FIFA does not specifically require promotion and relegation, but in announcing their claim, City cite FIFA rule that says a club's entitlement to partake in a domestic league championship shall depend on prince- principally on sporting merit. A club shall qualify for a domestic league championship by remaining a in a certain division or being promoted or relegated in another at the end of the season. However, those rules... Those rules also allow for the infrastructural, administrative, legal, and financial considerations to contribute to league participation. The same section of rules was cited in 2016 by some Indian clubs who are concerned with their existing top flight status with the National Federation introduced the Indian Super League as a new Man, you're top a flight right now. with a closed system. But it's, it, I think it's important because... They cite the FIFA rule. Right, the FIFA exactly. rule is kind of unclear. It's clear as mud, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, they're suing the federation. Kingston Scott Cade, I don't even remember what I said. Miami FC are in the lower divisions. They obviously want to get an MLS bid. They think they're worthy of it. The problem is they're not going to get it. Miami FC already tried with the $4 billion TV rights deal from MP Silva. They, they didn't get that. So what else? Okay, now we're going to sue it. There's only one solution to get promotion relegation, is that if that's only if the NASL and USL create their own promotion relegation and it starts with tier three and two, maybe even a tier four, and you start that. If you were to start that, MLS would almost have to start thinking about promotion relegation. It's a lot. It's a lot like as much as I hate the guy. You like the guy, Alexi Law said it. He said you hate him. By the way, I I don't like him. But he's a, he's a funny guy. But I, I personally don't like him. But what I think he's hilarious. What he what he said was um, we got to get him on the show. <laughs> what he said was um, let the people decide. Let people's money talk. Make this other make this other league that's promotion relegation, and if that succeeds, well. Then the people obviously want promotion relegation system, so that'll probably mean that maybe the MLS will implement it then. But I mean, right now, like I said, the M- like I've said to so many people, the MLS is a relatively young league. They need to develop that soccer market first, and we've talked about this, Stephen, plenty of times off off the podcast. We don't think it's possible. Okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. Are you for promotion relegation in general in soccer? Do you like the idea? I like the idea. On a scale of 0 to 10, 10 being I am in love with it, I'd marry it tomorrow. 7. You're at 7. I'm a complete 10. I think it's it's the most fascinating thing about oh, soccer. We're not against promotion relegation. No, no, no. I'm just saying in soccer in general, yeah. I think that's what makes this sport so The great unique. escapes. It's the escapes. It's the season and misery. It's the, the feeling of being promoted. The, the stories of clubs... In Brazil, um, the, what's what's the, what's the club that had the plane crash? Uh, Chapecoense. Yes, where where they literally climbed the tier to win the Brazilian league. I mean, they, the five years ago they were at the bottom. Right, tier, exactly. You know, Jamie Vardy because he was playing in nine different leagues. I think promotion relegation is the best thing about soccer. I think it's it's so interesting and fascinating. And if if you look on YouTube to these clubs who are in third tier soccer, fourth tier soccer, and how they they go back and forth, it's Unfortunately, here in America, which we'll get to, it's just not the same. It's but not. I'm for promotion and relegation. Now, are you pro- for promotion and, and relegation in America if if it's possible? If it's possible, I am. 
but like I said right now, it's not just not feasible right now. I mean, in this current time and age with how young American soccer is and the popularity of soccer, including the infrastructure and how big the United States is as well, I think there's so many issues that people don't think about and people will they'll have an answer like, oh, blah, 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 oh, this will happen, this will happen. But I think there's other issues that people just don't talk about. That makes any sense? No, I, I I do. I'm for promotion relegation here in the states. I've come out and said that. Now, where where a lot of people don't understand it is, it's just not plausible. Right now, at least, it's not even close. Ever will be. It's not even close. You're we, asked- we tried doing diagrams yes uh, uh, <laughs> a, a couple of days ago, and we just got lost, both of us. Like we we couldn't figure out what would be the the best system. And then you look at how big the United States is. Look at the infrastructure. Some we have a team in the top division of Major League Soccer of Soccer in America playing in a baseball stadium. And let's not say let's not say enough well, of our infrastructure. But is just in remember what, what how much is is it going to cost LAFC to join a league? What about the four expansion clubs? So Cincinnati potentially or one hundred fifty million dollars, which is still less than what Neymar costs. I just had to throw that out there. Just just. Remember, 222 million euros for one player. We get it. And you can get an MLS club for that. And, yeah, nice team. And, yeah, I, and you could get – you could. I guarantee you with 80 – what is it? 70 what, – what's the math? Oh, what? Oh, leftover? 222 it's minus like 70 one, million. Okay, 70 million because of – it's million dollars. I don't know what – it would probably be more than that. Yeah. But with that, you can probably win MLS Cup within that first I mean, potentially, year. Potentially, yeah. It's, if, you, if you really wanted to pay. Yeah, and do investors want to lose that money? No, no. and that's the thing, promotion relegation. Now, I, I, wa- I couldn't find many people who are for promotion relegation. I think there are... Many people that aren't like Twitter users. Yes. And I, I had to Google it, and I came up with this article written, Why it is finally time for promotion relegation in Major League Soccer. Written on August 2nd, 2017 by Kevin Wood for... The urban pitch. I want to get Kevin on on the show to talk about this article. However, the long term benefits of promotion relegation will have the overall quality of MLS will outweigh the financial damage done by team owners in the short run. For, for people worried about clubs struggling financially ever after relegation, one could imagine some of that four billion dollars gained from the TV deal could help that scenario. That the TV what. I guess this was written before or just a couple days after the TV deal came out. Makes sense. People were so excited about the TV deal, but I wasn't really... The MLS couldn't... They couldn't do anything about it. What what do you expect? So what's the point of even arguing that? Now, in addition to promotion relegation is a tried and true system in European leagues. This, Yes, it's worked. Basically, it's worked. Therefore, it's going to work here in America. That's what he's saying. Big... Big-name teams such as Newcastle, Napoli, and Juventus have been relegated in recent memory. And those clubs managed to bounce back and return to top-flight football. And then he talks about Leicester City's 5,001-odd run, which has nothing to do with promotion relegation. So what, what's your issue with uh, promotion relegation in the United States? It's just not possible. The, the, a, America's too big. What are you going to do with 28 clubs in Major League Soccer? There's no way you're going to implement promotion relegation within in the next couple of years. You're still adding teams. So you're going to at least give these teams who just started a couple of years. So you're still waiting. You're still looking at 15 years from now. 
What, what, so if if you buy a hundred fifty million dollar expansion fee, you pay that. Then you pay two hundred twenty two million dollars for a nice stadium, probably even more in a couple of years because that's that's the way they're going. They're just getting more and more expensive, nicer and nicer. My which you know is important. I think these. And then they get relegated. Why would anybody invest in that? And that's the thing people don't realize. MLS is still a young league. Not even that. In 2015, try looking up this. The last time any financial, you know, how leagues will come out saying how they're doing financially. The last time I've looked at that, which was a couple of months ago, MLS was still losing money. And you couldn't find anything from last year. It was up until 2015 where the commissioner said, yeah, we're still struggling financially. Some clubs are still in the red. People don't understand. Excuse me. You okay over that, there? <laughs> yeah, I'm fired up right now. People don't understand how the infrastructure in the United States just – it's not possible. Soccer – MLS, not soccer. MLS is not popular in America today. Let's be honest with us. Let's be honest with the people. It's not popular. So – Let's be honest here just be, on the show. Yeah. If you're a fan of Major League Soccer, you're in a minority. You are a minority in the world. Now, let's look at the infrastructure at the lower league clubs. They don't have the infrastructure to make a nice stadium. They don't have nice stadiums. that are Well, some do, but some also rent out their stadiums and whatnot. And to throw that into a promotion relegation system, oh, so all of a sudden you're going to have like a team playing in like a 5,000-seater stadium. That's not even a stadium. It's a baseball stadium. Like, how does that make sense? It doesn't make sense. Now, and the money investors put in, that's a lot of money, let's be honest here. I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, I'm losing my money now. It's Soccer's not that point in the United States to where we can make that happen. Plain and simple. It just without, Would it be cool? Yeah, it'd be so fun. It'd be exciting to see some teams rise to the ranks. But Now, I, we have to pause here because I feel like we're doing a little too extreme here. I'm where people are for it, and now we're, we're so against it. No, no, no. I am so open to the idea. Now, the thing is, this is a debate that you need to have in 15 years from now. 15, 20 years minimum. Right now, the debate should be what expansion clubs you want to add. and How it, to market MLS better to people. Yes, that. And what are you going to do with stadium issues with New England, Col- Columbus, FC Dallas, Colorado, Colorado. Um, who else are we missing? Everybody else has a pretty Montreal. I think Montreal Stadium could could be. I like be, Montreal Stadium. Could it's got some renovations. It was nice. You know what is Miami FC gonna do? Cincinnati uh, if they join. Uh, not Miami FC, but Beckham's Miami. I don't know what they're gonna be called, but Beckham Miami United. United. Beckham United would be mm-hmm. a good one. But uh, what are you gonna do with those five particular clubs with with crappy stadiums when you do have these nice stadiums from FC? Oh, NYC FC. Oh, and yes, that them too. You know these nice stadiums where where the league suddenly sells out Orlando City and you put them on the TV market. Well, one of the best clubs in FC uh, in the league, FC Dallas, can't sell out their stadium for for anything. Like the league has plenty of problems to worry about right now, and one of them is not promotion relegation. I don't think they should be even. I think the league has a right stance you think, on it. Quickly, do you think U.S. soccer is open to the idea? Within the next. Like I said, 15, 20, 30 years? I think so. I think they'll slowly open up to it. But the league needs to stabilize. The league is very... It's like clay. It's starting, it, we're starting to form like a little masterpiece, but it's not hardened yet. Well, I mean, I commented earlier. We, I mentioned this earlier. Bastian Schweinsteiger says 10 years you'll be at the level of Bundesliga. And and I, I think to an extent he's not wrong. I'm not, I think but stability-wise, I don't think so. Stability-wise, no. I think the pl- level on the playing on the pitch... pitch is going to grow substantially. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're already seen it right now. 
it's just going up and up and up, which is fantastic. Now, the thing is, like we said, MLS has other issues to worry about. Expansion, these clubs with no stadiums, clubs with crappy stadiums, attendance, marketing. Atlanta United does a great job marketing. Yeah. Orlando does a great job marketing. A lot of these teams. FC do. Dallas has no market. And the thing is, we rag on FC Dallas so much because we live here. Yes, yes, yes. So we yes. see it firsthand. So it's not like we're just ragging on them for now, fun. I, I, I'm not going to comment on what Minnesota United is doing, but they have a fantastic And their stadium. new stadium that they're going to build it, is going to be just beautiful. It, to me, it reminds me of Bayern Munich. Oh, it, Al- I mean, it's, called it? the, well, it's called the Allianz uh, Field, right? Allianz Field? It's another Allianz. Center? Thing. Allianz Center? It's not Allianz. What, what's the one in Bayern Munich? Allianz Arena? Arena? Yeah. yeah. But it, it's, it's weird how close it looks. And it's beautiful. It's absolutely But beautiful. that's a selling point. It's it's fantastic to see what the expansion clubs are doing, especially in like places like Minnesota and whatnot. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. really excited to see what's going Follow on. Follow us on Twitter at UncSamSoccerPod. Thanks to Jeff for joining us. What a great discussion. We'll hope to have him down the road. Follow me on Twitter at Stephen Jodoran. Follow me at uh, KAFAI Sport. And hope you all have a great day. Yeah, be on the lookout for some more news this week. News. Get a credit card that gives you what you need now, a low interest rate on everyday purchases, and a place to transfer high interest rate balances. The PenFed Gold Contactless Card is our lowest rate credit card. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Join PenFed, and together we can help you keep more of what's yours. Visit penfed.org slash gold card. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360-degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving.